Matt Stapp. It's El Paso week. 915. What's up? Tap and step. Your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep, Greg Tepper. And I am the man laboring on Labor Day, Matt Step. Let's start. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. And let's start there. Matt, I have been now, this is my 35th Labor Day on Earth. 35th, 36th, 36th Labor Day on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I am prepared to issue my official take on Labor Day. Ooh, a Labor Day hot take. Let's hear it. And that is that Labor Day sucks. It's because we have to work every Labor Day. Because Labor That's, Day falls right in the beginning of football season. We don't take Labor. We never. I, I haven't taken a Labor Day off since I started working in high school football. No, absolutely not. And it's like ever. Like I don't know if it, it. This day always comes and it always makes me mad. Like it always makes me mad because every like. Everyone else is like off having a good time. My wife's a teacher. She's not doing anything. She's like, oh, you know, cool. I get a three day week. And I'm like, that sounds nice. I'm yeah, going to do my normal that. Sunday work. And then I'm going to basically work a full day from home, except I don't have all of the things in the office that I normally do. And so, so you might as well just come into the office and work. Right. Like, for example, I just shot the pics video from my house. Like I just shot and I've done it before and it'll be fine. But like, I don't know. Will I'm it? just I'm I'm out on Labor Day. It's a, it's a hot take. It's a hot, hot take. That's why you come yeah. to this podcast for here's, hot, here's what I'd rather takes do. Like Labor Day sucks. Here's, here's the thing. I'd rather have the floating holiday. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then you can use it on like, you know, March 12th or something. Bingo. I would rather bank today and go into the office and do all the work that I have to do. Because by the way, football's still coming on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Right. Like yeah. that ain't stopping. Adam. Tell Adam, look, take my Labor Day and just make it a floating holiday in March yeah. or April. Because Mar- March and April are holiday holiday deserts. There's nothing. Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, spring break's not a holiday for adults, really. So, no. you know, it's, it's kind of a holiday desert. So you just move your move your Labor Day holiday to one of those. One of those there days. you go. Let's let's turn. Let's uh, it's 2021. <laughs> we can turn Labor Day into a Come floating on, holiday. Come on, Hockfelder. Get it together. Well, the other thing is, like, sometimes, as you know, sometimes we do not finish the summer magazine till after Memorial Day. This year we finished because Memorial Day was so late. We ended up finishing it before. Mm-hmm. But like, I do the same thing with Memorial Day. Yeah. You know, let's take a. Take a holiday in August, like a pre, you know, right at the beginning of August, like a floating holiday right there at the beginning of August. This is your week three edition of Tep and Step, your premium high school football podcast. We do thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider. We'll talk a little bit about week two in a moment, and then we'll get to our game draft for week three. But we will start as we always do, Matthew, with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. And I had one and I lost it, but hold oh, on. Oh, no. Hold See? on. You're in, a labor, you're in a Labor Day fog. I'm in a Labor Day fog. You're right. You're exactly right. Okay. Um, yes, exactly. I'm in a Labor Day fog. All right. Matt, we had some, we had some, some, thankfully, thankfully, we had some, some, some history and, or some, some history on uh, last Friday. Okay. We had two 
30 plus game losing streaks come to an end. Uh, congratulations to the mighty chiefs of Donna North, um, who got a, a, a good win over La Jolla wires Lincoln to snap their 30 game winning streak or losing streak. I, I had it at, I had it at 31, but you know, so, 30, 30, 30, 30, 31. Yeah. Uh, and congratulations to Mike Roach's Irving tigers. That's right. Who, um, who, who snapped their long losing streak with a nail biter, the, their 32 game losing streak with a nail biting win over Dallas Molina. So Matt step, here's so my here, question here, uh, before we do that. Yeah. Cause I know he's a listener to the podcast. So, you know, how Gabe Brooks sends out the Carthage C. You send the Carthage C. win. Does I got, Mike I got Ro- it on Friday. Does Mike Roach send us a, car, uh, a Irving eye, a crooked eye? I don't Mike know. Mike Roach, what's up? Come on. Let's see, let's, let's see the eye. All right. uh, so, Matt Stepp, that leaves how many active losing streaks of 30-plus games? Because <sighs> hmm. Socorro technically doesn't have the losing streak. They've they had don't. a couple of forfeit wins. Um, man. I'm going to say, and I have no idea the schools. I'm going to say there are two. Matthew, it's, good, it's a good guess. It's, a, it's what I would say a very good guess. Uh, but it is wrong. The oh. answer is, sadly, three. Uh, the, the current longest one. Do you know what the current longest one is? No, I don't actually. That's Boys Ranch. Boys Ranch uh, is uh, riding a 47 game losing streak. Sadly, um, I check every every Friday night. I check. <laughs> um, also, um, let's make sure because I I want to make sure I get Boys the... Ranch, the home of former Baylor offensive lineman Laquan McGowan. That's right. Probably probably the last great Boys Ranch cowboy. Boys Ranch. Uh, Rough Riders. Rough Riders. Rough Riders. Um, Checking in at 33 losses in a row, uh, Houston Northbrook. God bless them. And then, and then, and then I've got to tell you today's sad story. And today's sad story is about the team running a 31 game losing streak. And that's, that's Luling. Um, Oh yeah. (laughs) Luling last. God bless them. God bless those Luling Eagles. Right, Eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Great barbecue and watermelon there. Their um, their team account or their booster club account or somebody tweeted me and um, Craigway, and they said, "Hey, if we snap this losing streak tonight, we want a shout out on Scoreboard Live." And I wrote back to him and I said, "You stinking got it, hundred percent. You got mm-hmm. it." Final score. San Antonio YMLA six Luling mm-hmm. two. And I saw like, cause that was another one, like in the middle of my, my Friday nights, for those who don't know my Friday nights, as I'm sitting at the desk, like in commercial breaks, I just like remember games that are happening and check the score. I'm like, Oh yeah, what's going on in that one? Um, and I, Luling was on my list and mm-hmm. I, I was crestfallen. I was ready. I was ready to make a big deal of it. Yeah. But they had a good shot at it. That was, uh, I think that was YMLA's first home game in school history. Yeah, they didn't uh, get a chance to play last year because, you know, COVID and stuff. What's um what's what's Austin Eastside Memorial going by now? Is it just they're Austin Eastside? They're just Eastside, but they're not playing varsity. But they're not playing because they sit at twenty eight right now. So um, yeah. equipment uh, very very nicely snapped their losing streak last week too. So it's been a nice night. We've had a nice little run of breaking losing streaks. So there you yeah. have it, boys. Ranch, you're up. 
there's uh, the longest losing streak in in Texas high school football. Three of them over 30 games. But we lost two of them last week, so let's just keep hammering that number down. All right, Matthew, let's talk a little bit about week two. And speaking of streaks, it's probably where we got to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that. Uh, well, Atascacita, they went and did it. They, they went and did it. They got the scalp. Yeah, and and by the way. I mean, it was early, and 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 it looked, it very much looked like Allen was going to do what Allen does, which is they had a couple plays early. I want to say Tasksy like turned the ball over twice or something, and it just looked a little bit sloppy. And you're like, man, this is where they jump out to like the seventeen nothing lead, and you just never see like you never see daylight again. But I mean. Like obviously, the headline here is that the eighty-four game uh, w- regular season winning streak, the longest in Texas high school football history, is over um, with their win over Allen. Allen's long home winning streak. Not only at Eagle Stadium, they hadn't lost a home game since twenty ten. Uh, that one is over. But here's the other thing, and maybe we're just not looking. Maybe we're not focusing on the right thing, dude. Atascacita's got the freaking juice, man. Yeah, they they went in and. and- they were the better team. They just yes. went in and, 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 for lack of a better term, kicked Allen's ass. I mean, they did. It's just, and credit to them. I, mean, I don't think you know. I've seen I've seen some hand wringing from from the Allen faithful who are, are a spoiled fan base. I mean, let's just be honest. This is a fan base that hasn't seen a lot of regular season losses in a long time. <laughs> if you've had, had if you've a had lot season, of success, if you've had season tickets for ten years, you haven't seen a loss. Yeah. So I mean, this is, it's a fan base that's seen a lot of good times, and so right now, all of a sudden, everyone's like, "What's wrong?" Well, no, nothing's wrong. Tascasita is really good. They Real were ranked, good. They were ranked. This is not on paper. This is not an upset because we had a Tascasita ranked above Allen in the state rankings. Now we ha- had to account for the road trip and that kind of thing, but this is a it's a really good Tascasita team, and they went into Eagle Stadium and just beat Allen. Yeah, I, I you know, and and and. For look, looking at Allen, for, for Allen's standards, this is a relatively young Allen team mm-hmm. that, that has, has had a complete turnover in coaching changes. So, I mean, this not not just Chad Morris, but all the assistants, everything's brand new. And so they're gonna there's going to be some growing pains. If you're going to get your licks in on Allen, get him in this year. I think Geyer's got a real good shot to beat him in district. But I guarantee mm-hmm. you next year, next year Allen is going to be a top five team and they're going to be looking like Allen. You know, they're, they're Spe- a sophomore quarterback. They've got a lot of juniors that are playing. This is this is a relatively young, by Allen standards team. Speaking of uh, regular season winning streaks, and speaking of Allen District bunkmates, um, the second longest re- active regular season winning streak also went down, like within minutes of one another, as Denton Geyer beat Denton Ryan fourteen to seven in overtime. What was mm-hmm. most impressive to me about this is it really feels like Geyer beat Ryan at their own game. Like Geyer played a very Ryan-esque low scoring, like kick you, like, like knock the dog out of you slugfest and, and, and won it that way. And that's hard to do. Like the list of teams that do that to to Ryan is real short. And, and, Mm -hmm. but that was, what was impressive is I think people maybe, maybe mistake Geyer for a finesse team and they can finesse you, but they've just kind of beat up on Ryan and wore him down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a really good, you know, guy, you know, Rodney Webb and that offense with Jackson Arnold and some of the playmakers that kind of sucks the oxygen out of the room a little bit. But the defense at Guyer is really good. 
and they've been they've allowed 24 points in two games to Hebron and Ryan, and they're going to be a, a problem. And this Geyer team is a top 10 team in the state. They pushed Ryan last year. I, I picked Geyer to win, and I, I, feel, I felt pretty strong, pretty good about the the pick that Geyer would win the game, and and they proved me right. So. You know, congratulations to, to the to the Wildcats, and uh, in two weeks we get Atascacita and Geyer at mm. UN at, at UNT. So um, we'll tasty. get a chance to calibrate some things with with Allen and Geyer having played Atascacita. Tasty, tasty. Um, elsewhere, uh, I think I think the other big winner from the weekend. We can bounce around uh, if you'd like. I think the other big winner of the weekend is Timpson. Um. The, in a game put together by Matt Stepp. I don't know if you watched the scoreboard, but we gave you we gave you all the credit. Um, uh, but Timpson Timpson beats Wascom. What was the final score? 29-28, Yeah, yeah. Um, and by the way, that's a two A over three A. And on a game put together at late notice. Um, Look, I don't want to go crazy, okay? I don't want to sit here and tell you that I think that Timpson's suddenly a f- like the favorite to win the 2A Division One state championship game because Region 4 does still exist. But I'm ready to declare them the team to beat in Region 3 if they weren't already. I mean, that is that is impressive stuff. Yeah, I mean, they, they were the team to beat already in, in 2A D1 Region 3, but to, to beat Wascom... A really good Wascom team that is in 3A Division Two and favored by some to win Region Three and 3A D Two. To not only beat them but to beat them handily, I think says a ton about Timpson and where they're at. And they needed this game. Timpson, the, the rest of the regular season schedule, they're 50 point favorites basically in every game except for maybe the Garrison game. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe just, Joaquin, maybe Joaquin. Yeah, they're just and even Garrison and Joaquin, they're probably 25. they're double digit favorites. Or, I would say in the 20s. I mean, they're probably yeah. going to be 20, 20 to 30 point favorites. They needed someone to push them because if they want to have a shot to take down Refurio or Shiner out of Region Four, they got it. They had to get some things. They had to get some looks against a team that that could match them. And so, Wascom for a half was a really nip and tuck game. And the second half, Timpson just hit another level. And Terry Bussey, uh, what a performance from him. Mason Courtney. That this Timpson squad is loaded. They're 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 a really really strong team this year. And 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 I think they're going to they're they're gonna they're gonna challenge whoever comes out of Region Four this year. And we haven't been able to say that in many years from Region Three and Two A Division One. But I think this year, Timpson, based on that performance, is going to be capable of pushing whoever comes out of Region Four this year. The only other game I'll mention before we get to our Week Three draft is uh, is uh, May beat Sterling City one hundred four to eighty. In uh, they got real hot from three uh, and and came up with with a win. Um, but that was that's a real statement win for may uh a team that basically like they went 13 and two last year and the two their two losses were to sterling city in regular season and then the state championship game to get over that hump i think that that says to the state like come get some like we're ready and and so i was very impressed with craig Steele's bunch going there and and, and getting a win so um that's you got anything else or you want to move on no, I think we're good. I think that's, yeah. that sums up. We, it was a, it was a really fun week of football on week two, and I think we yeah. saw a lot of streaks come to an end on mm-hmm. the good and bad side of things. So, um, and like I said, I, I think Wascom Timpson that that late late scheduled game really gave us some insight into, into East Texas small school football. And, and like I said, I think Wascom excuse me, Timpson I think made one of the biggest statements of anyone in the state of Texas last week. 
So let's move on to our week three draft. If this is your first episode of Tep and Step, welcome. This is how it works. Um, we sit here talking into this microphone and uh, we pick games. We go back and forth selecting games we are most interested in in week. Every every game in the state is on the board and there are 677 games, 676 I should say, 676 games to choose from. Uh, we will do five rounds back and forth selecting games we are most interested in. Um, now, I guess let's start with this. We got spoiled the first two weeks. The first two weeks were, I mean, loaded. And and not just like loaded in the normal um in the normal way, but like loaded um how do I want to put this? They were they were loaded in a way that is like I think even even by historic measures is like really, really good. You know what I mean? Like they were really good weeks, especially last week. I think last week was incredible. This week is a little bit of coming back to earth. This um, is the more normal week. We, we you know a normal week, yes. especially once district play starts, is you've got a a really nice top tier list of games of about ten to fifteen, maybe even twenty games, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the games there's there's some mismatches. It's just kind of we're, we're settling into the normal routine yeah. starting in week three because. For a lot of, especially in six A and five A, this is the final week of non-district for a lot of these districts. Uh, I mean, we've got district play going in a few districts, but really, a lot of the districts, this is this is the last week of non-district play. It's a it's a thinner week. I wouldn't say it's a bad week, but it's a thinner week. But in any case, uh, we will go back and forth selecting games. We did a coin flip before the show. Step one, the coin flip. So as a result, he gets pick one one of this draft. Matt, step where are you going? I'm going out to Rockwall mm-hmm. uh, in a big time matchup um, here in Class 6A as the Lake Travis Cavaliers make the trip into the DFW area to take on the Rockwall Yellow Jackets in a matchup of teams ranked in the top 11 of the 6A rankings. So, not quite a top 10 matchup, but really close as 6 versus 11 uh, do battle. And, uh, you know, for Lake Travis, I thought. Uh, they followed up their really impressive win over Martin last week with a dominant win over Judson, fifty-two to twenty, and really in a game that wasn't that close. That was forty-five to six late in the third quarter. Late Travis completely dominated. I, I thought Bo Edmondson had a nice game. Nico Hamilton, DJ Johnson, uh, really Caleb Burton. Did, they didn't. They didn't even need Caleb Burton last week. Uh, he he was a little little quiet this week. But but Late Travis has got weapons. They they can mm-hmm. they can do a lot of th- damage. And I thought their defense. Uh, was really good against a really explosive Judson offense with a lot of speed. Uh, Late Travis did a heck of a job containing Judson at home, but now the, the test is different this week on the road against a Rockwall team with one of the best quarterbacks in the state in Braden Locke and a team that threw up a 75 spot last week. <laughs> Yep. As the, the Yellow mach- Jackets thumped Jesuits seventy-five to twenty-eight. The, the machine was online last week, guys. It was uh, it was a sight to behold. Yeah, I mean, the Rockwall's offense was humming. Uh, Locke throws for four thirteen and five touchdowns. They've got a tremendous running back in Zach Hernandez, who seems like he's been at Rockwall for ten years now. Um, they had a pair of hundred-yard receivers. I mean, this is this was a a really good performance from Rockwall's offense, and I thought their defense. You know, they forced four turnovers and held Jesuit to seven points in the second half. You know, Rockwall's defense is is, is much maligned, <clears throat> and sometimes they're, they're a victim of their offense's success, but sometimes the the criticism is warranted. The past couple of years, they haven't been a, a, a lockdown defense, but 
I think their defense has the last couple of years been a lot better, and they showed it. They've shown it the first two weeks that they're they're an improved defensive unit. So um, this is this is a really interesting matchup because I think both defenses are going to have a lot of questions either answered this week or more questions are, are going to come up because they're both going up against explosive offenses. Yeah, I think it's. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say I think this is in many respects. I think this is kind of clearly the best game of the week. Um, there, there's a couple other, and one that I'm going to take next that I think is is the chief challenger to that. But I think that I think this was like in a week that we've said is a little bit a little bit thin. This is one that stands out above the above the herd and is like, nope, this is a banger. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I think it's going to be one of those real shootouts. Um, I'm going to pick Lake Travis. I think Lake Travis wins on the road, but I think it's going to be really close. And it might be one of those games where last team last team gets the ball wins it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be that kind of game, but I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and I think I think this is going to be the week that we really see how good Rockwall is going up against a top ten type team in Lake Travis. Yeah, and and this is you know for for as much praise as we've we've heaped on um, you know Rockwall's offense, um, I do think that this is going to be the best defense they face you know and i don't think that in, in lake travis's defense is is solid but like i think that, that like they the, the ceiling's pretty high for them and this is going to be an opportunity for them to really make a statement and say no 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 like we we can we can hang because look there's no doubt that they're looking across the lake you know they're looking across the lake at what westlake is doing and they're saying all right we need to step up our defensive game and come up with a big play and here's an opportunity to do that against a legit bona fide high flying attack. Um that's the showcase matchup here. The other side is going to be interesting. Uh what what is what has Caleb Burton done the first couple of weeks? I don't mean to put you on the spot if you don't have I know um, he had a really good game in week one against yeah. uh Martin. Uh I don't think he I, I, I don't have a box score mm-hmm. um, from the uh from the last game, but uh you know he wasn't listed among the, the top performers that I got. So I I, I think mm-hmm. he was a little more quiet in week two for sure. But I mean, you know, that doesn't mean he'll be, he won't be uh, sure. doing some damage this week. I mean, he's, he's the kind of guy who can explode and pop off for a big game. And like Travis has a lot of weapons and there's some weeks where Burton's going to be quiet because the defense is going to be focused on taking him away. And that mm-hmm. just means other guys for late Travis are going to step up. And then the weeks that Burton is, is not double covered and doesn't have a safety over the top of him. He's probably going to have a big game. Good pick for week for for one one of this week three draft. I am going to stay in six A with my first pick, and I'm also going to take a top twenty matchup here as seven o'clock seven o'clock seven o'clock Friday at Planet Ford Stadium in Spring as the Galena Park North Shore Mustangs visit the Spring Westfield Mustangs. Um, I think. Cardell Williams, the quarterback at Spring Westfield, is he is such a victim of playing in the Houston area at the same time as Demetrius Davis and as like Connor Wigman and like all of these other quarterbacks. Dude, I think this kid's awesome. Yeah, he's a he's a Tulsa commit. I mean, he's he's a division. I mean, he, even in his own district, I mean, he's got Bishop Davenport right there across town, yeah. at Spring High. You know, he kind of 
he kind of gets overshadowed a little bit, but he's he's one mm-hmm. of the most most efficient quarterbacks in the Houston area. He's extremely efficient. He's a three year starter. Um, he's in complete command of this offense. He looked very solid last week in their opener. Uh, he found Chucky Hines, their wide receiver, early and often. He's got a favorite target, and and Westfield is legit. Westfield is doing that Westfield thing where they kind of bobbing along. They're 18th in our rankings. You know, a good win last week over Hightower, like a dominant win. Defense looked really good. Um, and and there's that going up against North Shore, who um, is probably needs no introduction at this point, but this is a new look North Shore team. Basically, much, much every feel. Much oh yeah, feel. and n- not only different feel like 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 the, it's not just that the star power is different, right? It's not just that 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 incredible couple of classes with Davis, or Demetrius Davis, and Shedrick Banks and Zach Evans. It's not just that they're gone. It's also that they they're going to play different. Like they're getting a lot more back to in a lot of ways. Like you know, kind of going back to what they were. Pre, I, I don't want to say pre John K, but like it, it's a very David Amon feeling team. Yes, like the defense is gonna is gonna cook. The defense is gonna lead the way, and the offense will do our thing. And they got a couple guys they really like: Rashad Johnson and and Xavier Owens. Got some wide receivers like David Amador and Jalen Bailey. Uh, quarterback Wendell Mitchell. They got they got playmakers. Like that's not a, like it. I, I'm not here to to crap on their offense because I think their offense is just different. But if you're if you're looking at North Shore and you're expecting them to go out there and hang seventy on everyone they play, like that's just not what this team is this year. No, they're not built like that. But you look at last week against Klein Collins, they. They, I mean, it was twenty-seven nothing in the, in, the, in the second quarter, and the game was basically over because you're just yeah. not going to put up points that many points against that North Shore defense. And so here's efficient he, offensively for sure. Oh, for sure. And, and and here's the other thing about this that that I think makes this such an interesting game is Westfield. Like Cardell Williams is actually such a such a good microcosm of what Westfield is because he's really good and nobody talks about him. Like because Westfield's that same way. Did you know Westfield? Uh, this is the ninth time they've played since 2004. Westfield leads the series. Like Westfield has won five of the eight games against North Shore. Yeah, uh, I mean, Westfield's kind of Westfield up until a couple of years ago really had North Shore's number. Yeah, exactly. They get and remember, even in 2019, that 2019 that went and won the, the state championship, they gave them their biggest scare. But what's funny is Westfield, I think, would absolutely switch spots with with North Shore because. They like they got the three rings. Like North Shore's got the three rings, and Westfield, for you know, playing simply, they've just come up short. They've just yeah, stubbed they've, their toe. They've got the one one ring from gosh, they beat Tyler Lee now Legacy in the state championship game back in like ninety two thousand four. I think was the year Westfield got their one title. Uh, I think they lost that game. That's why they did lose that game. They lost that game. No, they don't have one. Like they played for it in in, in 04, but they don't have one. Meanwhile, wow. North Shore's rung off 2015, 2018, 2019, and they've been and they've been the team in Houston with the buzz. And so this is an opportunity for for Westfield to kind of grab that shine, but I think it's also just an opportunity for us as as nerds and 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 you know, rubberneckers to look at it and just kind of gawk at at such a strange complicated history between these two that like Westfield has beaten North Shore pretty consistently 
And yet North Shore is just like, okay, cool. Like, bye. We're going to go shine our rings. It's an odd yeah. dynamic. And, probably and like West, Westfield, because of realignment, where they're located, typically has to go north. Yeah. And, you know, North Shore plays basically in Houston in, in all of the playoffs, and they don't have to travel. Westfield has a lot more difficult road trips because they have to go to Houston. They have to, mm-hmm. go to, they have to go to Waco to play a lot of the Dallas teams or go play Austin teams. So it's a, it's a different dynamic in Region no. 2 than Region 3. not saying the football is better, but it's just a no. different dynamic. It is. It's, it's, it, they're, they're di- it's a different style of playoff run that you have to go through. Like, look, Westfield's not begging to get into Region 3 so that they can run into Katy and <laughs> North Shore and Atascacita. But... What they are doing is like they just have such a unique, they're, like they are that team in Houston that is like, like nobody doubts they're one of the best programs in Houston, and and, and I want I just wonder what the what the headspace is like about they, that. They rarely play. The, the funny thing is they rarely play Houston teams in the playoffs. Right. You know they they almost never play Houston teams in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's an inter, that's just a, other than maybe the first round. Once they get out of the yeah. first round, it's pretty much Dallas or Austin. Or there was one year they lost to Longview in the third round. Yeah, so. I like North Shore in this game. I think it's a fun game. I think that this North Shore defense is probably the difference here. But it's just it, it just got me thinking, and it's just like a such a such a such an odd dynamic there. They're both anyway. Mustang. They're both Mustangs. Their both primary yeah. colors are red and black. You know, a lot of similarities. And, and and I just can't help but but imagine that like Matt Meekins and like that staff. They're just like like they they want to go out there and win this game just like this would be a real nice feather in their cap and sure. just like a real like flex so anyway that's I've, I've just been thinking a lot about that that's my first pick what's your second pick matthew i'm gonna go to class 4a division one as we have a top five matchup here as the la vega pirates mm-hmm. travel down i-35 to take on the lbj jaguars in a really fascinating measuring stick game between Two teams who we know are going to be fast, we know they're going to play physical, and we know it's – we are pretty sure it's going to be a low-scoring game. Yeah. Um, these two are – they're going to – for your term last week, take a tire iron and, and just just go at it is what's going to happen. <laughs> this is going to be a, a slugfest. These two teams uh, – there's not a lot of finesse when it comes to these two ball clubs. <laughs> no, no, um, no. La Vega, and especially what we've seen from this La Vega team in 2021, uh, the word finesse does not spring to mind. Yeah, LBJ does get in the spread, but but by nature they're they're a run based team. You know they want to give you know they want uh, Cedric Alexander to, to have 25 touches. They, they're going to run the football and then take take their play action deep shots with Oscar Gordon. And uh, both teams got big wins over private school powers last week. La Vega just destroyed Bishop Dunn 65 to nothing. They, they run out to a 28, nothing half uh, first quarter lead and just never look back. And, you know, Najee Drake's led the way 113 yards, two touchdowns. They, they, they got a lot of guys touches. They got a lot of guys in the game. And this was a late scheduled game because La Vega was supposed to play their rivalry game with Waco Conley. But that game got canceled due to Conley. I'm we didn't get that. Yeah, I'm that's a fun rivalry in the Waco area. Those two schools are about about three miles apart, and they all know each other. Uh, disappointed that game didn't get played, but you know it is what it is right now. Um, and then you know LBJ, they go up to Dallas and play Parish Episcopal and and win a thriller, 44-42. Um, Oscar Gordon and Cedric Alexander both had big games. Um, you know, Alexander, I thought, was the key with 149 yards in the ground. But Gordon, Gordon with uh, 149 yards through the air, 63 yards in the ground. A lot of balance there with the LBJ offense. This is going to come down, in my opinion, to I think LBJ at this stage of the season 
is a little more balanced with with the passing game, with the experience at quarterback. LaVega's still young, and we really don't know where they stand. They've had two blowout wins, but they played Bishop Dunn, who's down, and they played Katie Jordan, who's a new school, not mm-hmm. even playing varsity football yet. I feel like we know a little bit more about LBJ early in the year, and plus the game is at Nelson Field in Austin. So I'm, I'm giving the edge to LBJ here, but I think this is really the first time both of these teams really seriously get put, get pushed all year. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm very interested in this because this is, in many respects, like not really in many respects, in like every respect, this is the first real test for La Vega. Um, you know, La Vega, you know, say what you want about what LBJ did last week to, um, you know, kind of come kind of eking out a win um, against, a, but that's a really good parish Episcopal team. Like, yes, I believe the number one or number two team in our private school rankings. Um, Dallas yes. Bishop Dunn is not what they used to be. There was a minute there where they were no. really cooking. They, they have not been that in a while. Um, and so that was, you know, LaVega went out there and did what they should. This is the first, this is the first big test. And you want to talk about, by the way, their next five weeks. Okay. Right. LBJ, Argyle, Corpus Christi Miller, off week, Stephenville. Yeah, that's uh, Don Hyde for you right there. He, he does. He does not. That's one thing about the with La Vega. They don't run from anyone. They no. will. They they play. They'll, they'll play just about anyone. So they'll play uh, the they'll play the freaking Oakland Raiders. I'm sorry, the yeah. Las Vegas Raiders tomorrow if they if if they need a game. Yeah, it's it's it, this is going to be. I think you're right. This is going to be a super physical matchup. It's going to come down. I think this comes down to literally like who turns the ball over. Like it's going to be. I I think points are at a premium here. I think the winning team probably has about 24 points. I think it's a slugfest. It's going to be. But you're right. A really nice measuring stick for these two teams. All right. I am going to stay in small school. I'm going to stay in 4A actually, and I'm going to go to Eagle Stadium. Not that Eagle Stadium. The other Eagle Stadium. 7.30 p.m. Friday night at Argyle's Eagle Stadium. Oh, yeah. As the Argyle Eagles welcome in the Salina Bobcats. Um, by the way, um, here's the fun fact. So we talked off the top about how Allen's regular season winning streak is over. Denton Ryan's regular season winning streak is over. The new longest regular season winning streak belongs to these Argyle Eagles, 58. And I looked up this stat. They've won 42 in a row at home. Yeah, they don't lose often at home. It's been a while. <laughs> they the, they lost the season opener in 2012 to Abilene Wiley. Okay. And that's the last time they lost at Eagle Stadium. Um, this is, we've said this before, maybe in our preview show, maybe we've previewed one of their games before, um, but this is a different Argyle team. Um, they are much more 2013 Nick Ralston Argyle than they are um, like 20, like than they are like last year where they were super CJ Rogers, high flying air it out deep. This is a, we said the word plotting. I don't know if that is what they're just a, there's a big physical, more old school offense this year. Yeah, They rely a little more heavily on the running game. They're, yeah. they're not, you know, last year they were coming out, taking a lot of deep shots right off the bat. This year they're, mm-hmm. they're more of a play action team. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to establish the run first because they're, they're so good up front. They're really good in the trenches yeah. on both sides of the ball. They're exceptional up front. Um, and uh, the, their big offensive line, they run the ball with Landon Ferris, Peyton Shoemake. Win co- this quarterback, Jacob Robinson, the, the early returns have been positive. 
Um, they just don't. They don't ask him to do a ton, ton. They ask him to to put the ball on the money when they ask, when, when they need him. But it's not a high flying Argyle team. They're just ruthlessly efficient. They play good defense. They're big up front. Let's talk about Salina, and let's talk about some freaking war daddies, dude. These yeah. guys up front. I mean, I I. I, I have not talked with Bill Elliott, but I feel like this is the platonic ideal of Bill Elliott's football team. Like, this is they an are, old school Salina team in the trenches. This, dude, this is one of the few teams, I think, in the, at the 4A level that can match up with Argyle up front. They are huge. Like, the, and, and they're not like, I don't know, like, you know, okay. Let's use Liberty Hill as an example. Liberty Hill is never huge, but they're always so good up front because they're just schematically very sound and technically very sound. Salina is technically very sound, and they're schematically very sound. But more than that, they're just freaking huge. <laughs> like, yeah, like they're massive. Uh, their their center Michael Reems. I hold on. I had their questionnaire up recently, and it was like, you know, what they list. And and look, it's possible, but not probable that he's overcooking the the weight, heights and weights a little bit. But uh, Michael Reems, their center, is clocks in at six six three hundred. Um, they've got the defensive end Wyatt Stevens because their defense, by the way, is really good. He's six two two twenty. Their offensive tackle Brendan Armio is six three three ten. Their offensive guard Hamish Mpofu, uh, I apologize, Hamish. He is six five three twenty seven. Um, I mean, these guys are just freaking gigantic. Um, and that's where this game is going to be so much fun. Um, they've got some playmakers, right? They, Noah Bentley, I think, has been very solid at the quarterback spot. They they may even be, ooh, this is bold. Maybe they're a touch more explosive than Argyle this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, but make no mistake, they want to grind it out up front. And this is a game almost entirely decided in who wins in in the trenches because these are two massive physical fronts that are going to get after it. The one concern I have about, about Salina is coming into this game, they're a little banged up. Uh, I they're down. I want to say to their fourth running back. I mean, they've they've <sighs> had some injuries at the running back position. Uh, they're I know their leading receiver Urich uh, is uh, questionable this week. He's he's been out. Um, so that, that's the one concern. I think if Salinas at full strength, I feel like they do keep this game really close and could possibly win it. But if those guys are not playing, and, and if there's any question about, about their injury status, why would you play them in a non-district game? Right. As much as this game is a rivalry game and as much as Salina and Argyle don't have a lot of love loss for each other, Coach Elliott's not going to run guys who are 50-50 or questionable out there no. in a non-district game. So no. that might be the one concern that I have about this one if Salina is down uh, some guys, which it sounds like they might heading into this game. Well, and the other thing is I just don't think Salina's got a ton to prove at this point. I think they've already proven it, right? Like they have wins over – they have wins – convincing wins over oh, Melissa and Paris. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if they, if they go out there and even if they lose this game by like 10 points, I think everybody still holds Salina in really high regard and Absolutely. they're, and they're going to be a favorite in pretty much every game the rest of the way until they get to the playoffs. So uh, I'm really interested in seeing how this play, how, seeing how this plays out. I think it has a chance to be a lot of fun. And if you are into good line play, you'll love this game. You'll love it. So I'm taking Argyle Salina. What's your third pick, Matthew? I'm heading down to DeWitt County for uh-huh. the 112th meeting 
between the Yoakum Bulldogs and the Quero Gobblers. And it's a cliche. We, we say a lot of time, but throw the records out, throw the classifications out. It doesn't matter when these two teams play. This mm-hmm. is cousins going at going at it, brother-in-laws. These this is this is just a family affair. Both these teams, I, I don't. It's not a real nasty rivalry. Like like I don't think there's a lot of hatred between these two towns because they're so intertwined. But make no mistake about it, Yoakum wants to beat Quero and Quero wants to beat Yoakum because that's bragging rights for a year. Mm-hmm. Now it helps that both these teams are state ranked: Quero in three AD one and. and, and uh, Quero in 4AD2 and Yoakum in 3AD1, and they both come into the game undefeated. So that adds to the game, but if if one was 0-2 and, and one was 2-0, and 0, it wouldn't matter. It's going to be a, a dogfight. It's going to be a war. Um, it's just a fun, it's just a fun yeah. traditional Texas high school football rivalry. Um, Yoakum last week, I thought their defense was lights out. They beat Smithville 27-3. That's that's not a bad Smithville team by any means. Coach Atkins has done a good job with that program. They made the second round of the playoffs last year in Class 4A. That's Quero's district rival. So Yoakum goes in and dominates Smithville 27-3. Their defense allowed 60 yards of offense for the evening. It's really impressive. Um, and then Quero, I watched on Texan Live a good portion of the game against Wimberley. And Quero, from the jump, came out and said, we are here and we're ready to play. And they came out and and, and they did it. They went to Wimberley and, and beat the Texans 21 to three. And I thought the defense was opportunistic. They forced some early turnovers offensively. It was more big plays than anything else. Um, Quero wasn't able to sustain a lot of drives against a good Wimberley defense, but what they were able to do was hit some big plays and pop and take the top off the Wimberley defense. And that's how they got their 21 points. Quero's got a lot of team speed. They're, they're really fast this year. They've got some skilled kids, but I thought up front, that they held Wimberley to a stalemate, and I think that's what you got to do when you're when you're because Quero traditionally up front has not been great, and where they've gotten things done is at the skill spots. But this year, I thought they they held their own in the trenches against Wimberley and did a good job. Tyson Williams is kind of the the key guy at running back. He had a couple of touchdowns at 132 yards, and you know they hit a big pass. They were they forced a Wimberley fumble at the one yard line, and then he hit like a 95 yard pass to score there. So just a solid effort from Quero. I think up front is the difference in this game. I think Quero's going to be better up front and that, that they're going to get the win, but I, this is going to be a close ball game. Make no mistake about it. It's going to be one of those games that you're keeping an eye on. And it wouldn't shock me if Yoakum won just because of the rivalry aspect. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the, the exact way to put it is that like, because these two teams do, these programs know each other so well that like they are, there's going to be one or two wrinkles that each of them, um, you know, sniff out that they are not going to that the other that other teams won't, and that's going to be what's so interesting about this. Um, I am very intrigued by. I mean, you kind of called it about Quero coming out of week one, and you were like, "They're back." Mm-hmm. Is there and 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 that's not to say there'll be a letdown, but like you're going from a state ranked three you know f- team in your own classification to playing like oh like the guys down the street, you know like. Mm-hmm. Can they can they keep that same energy? Can they keep that same mojo going? There's something to be said about that. And this Yoakum team, dude, I like them a lot. I think Yoakum team's really good, and um, like it, it it really does feel like um, one of those old school Bo Robinson teams of like 
just lights out defense. We'll figure out offense. Don't worry about it. Just keep giving us the ball back and we're going to get enough. And that's really what happened like last week against Smithville. And so I'm very intrigued to see if that works against Cuero, who's at, who's definitely more explosive than Smithville and, and could break that. So it's like, can Cuero break one or two big plays is kind of the question for me. I like that game. All right. I see now it gets a little tricky. I'll be honest. I think I think now there's, there's not an a, op- there's kind of a lot of games that are kind of you put them in a pile a lot of even yeah a lot of games that are about the same. I'm gonna go to six A, and I'm gonna go seven thirty. Let me just make sure I get this right. You're listening to live coverage of me on pigskinprep.com, looking to see where this game is. Uh, let's go to. Did I get that right, you big dum dum? No, I got the wrong district. Golly, I'm not going to add this out. I'm too lazy. Um, yes, let's go to. It doesn't even say where's where's Martin playing Legacy. <laughs> I believe they're playing at Choctaw Stadium. The Choctaw Stadium. That's what I thought it was, but it doesn't say. Anyway, seven third, seven o'clock Friday night. At Choctaw Stadium, we presume. Uh, it is the Midland Legacy Rebels at 2-0, taking on the Arlington Martin Warriors at 1-1. One one. Um, second week in a row, we, we spotlight a Midland Legacy game, and that's because um, that's because Clint Hartman is just scheduling anybody that he can find. Um, and next up is Arlington Martin. Now, last week they played Tascosa, and, I mean, let's let's be real about it. They got they got kind of beat up on the on the ground. Like they got yeah. they got run over. Tascosa put up forty eight points and mm-hmm. led by eleven in the fourth quarter. That was a forty one thirty game going going into the fourth quarter. D- dude, I think they led by eleven twice. Like I think they led by eleven. Legacy closed it, and then Tascosa scored again to make it like uh oh okay like like what would under normal circumstances be daggers. But give a ton of credit, McKaylen Young was a just a. Freaking workhorse in this game. 31 second, carries. Second week in a row. 31 carries, 184 yards, three touchdowns. Their sophomore quarterback, Marcos Davila, made big boy throws down the stretch, and they were able to come out with a win. Young, now uh, they t- Young, Young also returned to kickoff for a touchdown today. Did he really? Oh, I missed yeah. that. Yeah, and um, uh, Chris, Chris Brazel had a huge game at receiver. He had three yeah. three touchdown catches. Yeah, he was. I mean, they they were the offense. There were there were no problems with the offense. Offense no. looked very very good. Defense a little bit of concern, especially against let's, the run. Let's talk about a team that I think you saw last week. Um, uh, did you see Martin last week or was that two weeks ago? No, I saw him last week. Yeah, you saw him. I last saw week. Martin. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about Agent of Chaos, Bob Wager. Um, because he is like he likes to roll the dice, doesn't he? He is an agent of chaos. He is a guy who spends more time on special teams than I think any high school football coach in America. Um, and he shows like he is he is a big. If he, I, I think if you talk with him, and I'm I'm probably putting words in his mouth, so I apologize, Coach Wager. But he is a believer that like if we can steal a possession like that has not only obviously huge benefits for like our chances of winning, but it also like it also like gets you on the sideline thinking about it. And, and sure enough, like they, he, he rolled the dice a lot last week and they looked very good last week. There, the, this junior running back, Javian Toviano, uh, Sid Ford, the, the new quarterback uh, looked very solid. Uh, he's got a, a, a couple of weapons on the outside, like Trey Cochran and, and Michael Barrow. Um, this team is good. And, and beyond that, look, um, 
I know that playing Lake Travis is no funsies, um, but at the same time, last week, to shut down Hebron like they did, I was awfully impressed. And and I think that this defense is really starting to round into form with R.J. Cooper and guys like that. And they're going to provide a huge legacy. Legacy is 2-0, and they've looked good in their two games. They have not seen a player on the defensive side like they're going to see against with R.J. Cooper. No, um, man. They got Travell, Travell Johnson, I believe, the Texas commit, and Cooper, mm-hmm. the Stanford commit. Martin's front seven was dominant last week against Hebron. Just could not do anything on offense. They they could not block Martin's front seven. Yeah, um, and th- I think that's that's the key in this game. I think it's a bad matchup for Legacy because Legacy struggles against the run. Martin's got Toviano and Sergio Snyder who can mm-hmm. run the football. They struggle against the run and and. I don't know if they're going to be able to block the front seven for, for Martin, and that's this is a huge test for their sophomore quarterback and that, that offensive line. I think it's I think I think it's a poor matchup here early in the year. I, I think Martin kind of handles them. It will be a very very and I'm 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 interested to see because you know legacy you know we talked with Clint Hartman on scoreboard last week and he does this you know obviously on purpose he's like no like I want to get out I want to get to DFW because we have to play these teams eventually to win a state championship and so that's what but you know we've said a lot you know you've said a lot that like from the eyeball test legacy looks like a metro team like they look like a team that can hang with them now we'll find out if it goes deeper than the eyeball test. And they showed you know? it last year. I mean, this is a legacy yeah. team that in, in the second round of the playoffs, they should have beat Euless Trinity. They led Euless <laughs> Trinity by 21 in the second quarter and and, let, and frittered the lead away. So they can play with the Metroplex teams. They're not This this is not anything new to them, but I, I, right. I just wonder if the matchup right now at this point in the season is a tough one for them. What is your fourth pick, Matthew? Going down to the Austin area for a 6A versus 5A matchup. As the Round Rock Dragons take on the Cedar Park Timberwolves, and you know for Round Rock, they made their way into the 6A rankings this week. Um, their running game has been really good early in the year. They had mm-hmm. over 500 yards rushing in Week One. They follow it up with a dominant 35 nothing win over Belton. Uh, Travian McCoy Gay 152 yards and a touchdown. Mason Cochran adds 71 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. And they pitched a shutout. The Dragons' defense was really, really good last week, shutting out an explosive Belton squad. And two weeks in a row, Round Rock has just dominated teams from District 12, 6A. Um, bigger test this week against state-ranked Cedar Park. Um, and I thought Cedar Park really bounced back from that loss in Week 1 to Vandergrift with a nice 29-7 win over Round Rock Cedar Ridge. Um, the the Black Rain defense was, was back last week. They forced uh i think three three turnovers in the game uh they scored a touchdown they had a great goal line stand in the, in the second quarter on the one yard line after, after uh cedar ridge blocks a punt and they have a short field cedar park's defense stands tall holds cedar ridge on the one yard line and they pulled away in the second half with it behind that defense so i think cedar park after a rough week one settled in had a good strong week two game but I man, this round I, I talked to a couple of coaches who've seen some film on Round Rock and they left they've left very impressed watching film on Round Rock. They told me that the, the Dragons are, are legit and you know they beat Lake Travis in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. They, they're not a they're not a stranger to anyone at this point in time. So um I give the edge to Rock Rock Round Rock. I think I think Cedar Park hangs in there. I think this is a low scoring kind of a slugfest. I think Round Rock in the fourth quarter wears Cedar Park down a little bit though. Yeah. Um yeah, I think this game's really. I think this is, this is going to be a, a a conditioning game. You know what I mean? 
a game where it really depends on how well um, conditioned these two teams are and who's going to have that the legs in the fourth quarter because it does feel like one of those games that um, you know could go either way and 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 I do think and that if hot. you're you know, it's going to be, be very hot yeah. and I think that if you are round rock like this is one of those games that I feel like. Um, is a springboard type game like Cedar Park. I think everyone knows that they're, you know, this is probably not the team that it was last year that ran to a state championship, at least not yet. But if you're round rock and you can come out of, you know, non-district three and O with a win over Cedar Park, like you're, you're humming, you're cooking with gas and you're going to feel very, very good. So um, I like that a lot. I think that's a good pick. All right, Matthew, I found a little bit of a hidden gem that I am going to take with my fourth pick. Uh, Matthew, like it. believe it or not, it's a uh, it's district season. It's district season, and I think we have a district championship game uh, this week. Okay, and that is let's go to College Station, Texas, okay. where the College Station Cougars will welcome in the uh, will welcome in the Magnolia. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Bulldogs. Thank you, Magnolia Bulldogs. I kept thinking of Magnolia West. Um, so let's talk a little bit about College Station. Uh, now the number two team in Dave Campbell's Texas football uh, in our ranking. Spoiler alert: they are. And um, I mean, look, they have. You cannot ask anything else of them. They have played two teams that, in my opinion, with all due respect, Fort Penn, Bush, and Hutto, they are better than, and they beat the brakes off of them. They're 6A they just, teams, though. Yeah, they're 6A teams, and they beat the brakes off of them. And Jed Huff has looked awesome. He's thrown 10 touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, they have run the ball really well with Marquise Collins. They have a number of weapons on the outside, like Traylon Sewell uh, and, and, and Houston Thomas, their big tight end. They are getting after it. And what I think is most impressive is the defense has kind of followed suit. Jackson mm-hmm. Slanker, Kyle Walsh, this defense has come along. No notes, College Station. So far, 2-0, and absolutely no notes. You've been excellent. Yeah, well, they here- outscored their two opponents 108-18. to That seems pretty good, Tepper. That seems okay. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go on the record, and I'm going to say that that is good. And and, and, and you can can quote me on that. You can quote me on that. Um, Let's talk now about Magnolia. Because Magnolia is was our preseason. This is preseason. Uh, our pick for number one and number two in District Eight Five A Division One, and this is a team that is one and one. They lose to Katie Tompkins in a low scoring slugfest, um, and then no they shame beat. There. Yeah, and then they beat Brenham last week, twenty to six. This is a team that, at least for now. The defense is way ahead of the offense. Now the defense is holding them in games. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? They lost the top. That Tom Tompkins is a top 15 6 eight, maybe borderline. Are they in the top ten in six eight? Let's, Let's see. see real quick. I've Tompkins got it here. is not number nine. Number nine. They lose to Tompkins eighteen to six. Yes, that's you know in two games they've only allowed twenty four points. And so here's an opportunity for me that obviously a ton on the line, right? We th- I think that you know I think these are probably still the two best teams in that district. Um. And here's an opportunity to go out there and win a district championship. Uh, and by the way, we are talking about Region 2 of 5A Division 1, so maybe finish as high as you can. Um, better, better playoff path for sure. But for Magnolia, the defense has been stout, stout, stout. It's been exceptional. The offense has got to come along. 
and they've got to come along like yesterday. Uh, William Alexander, their linebacker, has been terrific. Kieran Curtis up front. Garrison Hefner at the quarterback spot. Been great. Been great. Like the, like like the defense holds no no responsibility for the one and run record, but the bottom line is that this offense has just been stuck in the mud through two weeks, and you going up against um yeah I mean I mean we don't we don't really know how good the College Station offense is because I don't think they've had a ton of resistance at this point. Here's some resistance, but on the other side of it, can Magnolia muster enough offense? to get them over the top. That's kind of the big question. Yep. Um, I like college station in this one, especially at home, but you know, it is basically a de facto district championship, in my opinion, on the line here. Um, Magnolia's got to wake up offensively or else it, this could turn into something like 35, nothing. And it's just like, okay, like why that, were we featuring? That's kind of why I think the college station right now is just a lot more balanced team on both sides yeah. of the ball. I think Magnolia's just, the defense will keep them in it, but if their offense is not holding up their end of the bargain, eventually it's going to cave in. College Station's offense is too good to be held down for that long. So mm-hmm. I, I, I kind agree. of agree with you. And College Station gets this one. What is your fifth and final pick, Matthew? Well, I'm going to head down to class a 3A versus 2A matchup down on the coast as the 2-0 and Edna Cowboys come to Jack Sportsman Bobcat Stadium. <laughs> To take on the two and zero Refurio Bobcats, Jack Sportsman, I would, I would absolutely, and I'm sure I, I don't know who Jack Sportsman is, so I don't mean this disrespectfully, and I'm sure he's, uh, is he like a long time, was he a long time coach of Refurio or someone <sighs> like guessing, that? I guess, yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm not up on my Refurio history. Yeah, Somewhere I apologize. Refurio, tell us, tell us who Jack Sportsman was. Uh, Jack Sportsman, apparently a longtime announcer. He's a longtime PA addresser uh, announcer. I'm seeing here okay. uh, for fifty yeah. for fifty six years. So they named the stadium after him. Uh, very, very Jack cool. Sport. I would a hundred percent buy a car from Jack Sportsman. You think he's an honest car salesman? I think that is a man who you can trust him. I think I okay. think when he shakes your hand and he looks you in the eye and he says he'll make you a deal, he means it. Jack Sportsman, go on. Right. Uh, I just do you think, a great do you think Jack Sportsman and Mike Sports have ever been in the same room at the same time? I'm sorry. Go on. I'll stop now. I bet if they were, it'd be a cool room. <laughs> All right. So this is a test for Refurio because I think really highly of Edna. I think Edna is a contender in Region 4, 3A Division 1. And I think this is a great measuring stick for them because Refurio, despite being the smaller school, is the favorite in this game. I mean, Refurio has regularly taken on 3A and sometimes even 4A opponents and, and handled business. So th- for Edna, I don't think a loss is going to be a real big concern here. I want to see if Edna is competitive in this game and can mm-hmm. hang around <clears throat> and really give or push Refurio. Because if that's the case, I feel like we can start to really – lock Edna down as a contender in, in Region 4, 3A Division 1. They <clears throat> they knocked out Bay City last week, 31-13. No real stars, just a real balanced, solid performance from the Cowboys across the board. They've got they have good team speed, and I think they'll be able to, to hang with Refurio um, at the skill spots. But Refurio, I mean, they, they, you know, George West is down this year. Refurio blows them out 55-8. to eight. <clears throat> and what really interests me is this 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 addition of Refurio with Caleb Hesseltine at receiver at quarterback and Jordan Kelly at receiver. See, looking at the numbers, they really only ran the ball like ten times the entire game. This is a Refurio team, a lot like the Travis Quintanilla teams, 
mm-hmm. they're going to throw it 30, 40 times a game. They're, 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 they're going to rely – the, the passing game is an extension of the running game in a lot of ways. So that you know, and you've seen it. Refurio has morphed their style to fit the personnel. This Refurio team is a much more up-tempo, fast-paced ball club. Um, it's going to be a big crowd. Refurio is a tough place to play. I think Edna keeps it close. They've got the size and the speed to hang with Refurio, but I think Refurio, it's weird to say a small school we're in a bigger school down, but I think Refurio and that offensive tempo in the second half is gonna is gonna wear Edna down in this one. So give me Refurio, but I think it's close, I think it's competitive, and I think Edna makes a good accounting of themselves. I think I think you're you're spot on in all regards. Um and for Refurio, um make sure I get this right. Um but this is a you know this is an important game for them because you know look they don't get many challenges and I, I know that they've tried to schedule really not difficult non district there's not a ton of takers right yeah, um, they're, they're not lining up to play Refurio. I mean they got like they, they, they got Sabinal Crystal City uh, they Ganado Ganado's a good a, a good team Ganado's solid that that'll put I me mean, the district's not you know realignment didn't do no. them any favors their, their district's not great. So Ganado will be the the last real test for a few. So so this is kind of like I hate to say it, like with all due respect to Ganado, and they go have to go on the road, whatever. But the computer has them as a four touchdown favorite in that one. In many ways, isn't this the last chance to learn something about Refurio for like three months? Yeah, until we get to the second or third round of the playoffs. Right. Yeah, I think this is mm-hmm. our real last, real good look at Refurio. I think what we're going to see after this is a lot of a lot of games where Refurio sitting their starters down in the third yep. quarter. All right, Matthew, my fifth and final pick, Matthew. Perhaps you know that uh, Wednesday you and I have a uh, we have an appointment. We have an appointment. Uh, we are going to be uh, getting on a plane. The Dave Campbell's Texas Football Crew. This is the first time we, that we've, we're taking a plane trip together. The yeah, it's a team we've, plane we've, trip. We've, be we've taken road trips together in the car, but we've never been on a plane together. So we will be flying to El Paso, the beautiful Sun City, um, to take in some some just exceptional football, some wonderful food. We're going to see a bunch of our buddies out there. It's going to be a great time. And so that's why, Matt, I want to go for my fifth and final pick, 7.30 p.m. Friday night at Ranger Stadium in Spring Branch as the (laughs) El Paso Eastwood Troopers decide to, like, they heard we were coming to town. We were like, we got to get the hell out of here. Thanks, Mitch Lopez. The El Paso Eastwood Troopers traveled to San Antonio to take on the Smithston Valley Rangers in the annual Julio Lopez Hey, Where Can We Drive Bowl. That's This is really – Julio Lopez is a man who likes to take road trips. He they must. Have, do, you know, do you know a few years ago they went to Tyler to play in a 7-on-7 tournament? <laughs> They've gone to Tyler. They've gone to. They played in a seven on seven in the Metroplex. Once. The first time I ever, the first time I ever met him in person was at a seven on seven tournament in Ulysses at, at Pennington Field. <laughs> they, they played at the Star. They played in Plano. I saw him play in Plano a few years ago in a game that was the one of the most insane high school football games I've ever seen. And this year they're going to San Antonio. They're playing South Lake Carroll next year. It's literally, where can we go to play a really good team? So credit to, to Coach Lopez and Eastwood yeah. because they are taking on it. 
all comers. And they're taking on uh, a team. And so let's let's put aside for a moment the novelty, right? Because there's a couple of these. Austin Vandergriff's going to San Angelo Central uh, this week. Uh, there's a couple of these. They're not super rare, but um, but they you know they're they're relatively rare. But um, El Paso Eastwood is is traveling and and to to Spring Branch to take on Smithson Valley. Let's put aside the novelty aspect for a moment and just talk about like this is a really interesting clash in styles. Um, El Paso Eastwood is gonna let it freaking rip. Okay, uh, Andrew Martinez, their quarterback, Aaron Rodriguez, their wide receiver. They are a high flying, cut the brakes offense. This offense is. Uh, like the kind of offense that I know Julio Lopez wanted to play in at UTEP, like throw th- me the ball. I think Martinez threw for 400 yards in the first half last week. Sure. No, you know, as I'm one does. Sure he, he had 400 yards passing, like 75 yards rushing. I'm pretty sure he was, it was either one half or he might've come out early in the third quarter. Like it was insane. The numbers he put up last week. And so taking on Smithson Valley, which is um not that, um, Smithson uh, no. Valley is, uh, no. uh they are going to line it up. Harry Hill they're... is not a, a, a coach who likes to no. sling it around. They are going to run the ball. It is old school running in defense. Okay. They're going to run the ball with Travis McCracken and Malachi Lane. And then they're going to use up a lot of clock and they're going to put their defense out there. And their defense is pretty good. Uh, and so they're gonna try to beat the crap out of you. Their, yeah, their defense exactly right. is going to try to beat the crap out of you. And so, and so even putting aside the novelty of it, of an El Paso team coming to San Antonio, like it is a really unique clash in styles in that result of like, uh, like the, 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 it's very clear here, like Eastwood wants to get this score into the fifties and Smithson Valley would be 100% happy winning this game 21 to, to 10. Absolutely. Um, and so it'll be a fun game. I'm excited about it. And and I think it'll be fun to watch. I'm sad that Coach Lopez will is abandoning us um, as we travel to his home. Uh, to his, try uh, to get a free meal out of him or something. Come I on, know. Coach Lopez. What's yeah. up with that? We need anyway. to tag him in this podcast and tell him he needs to listen. We do. So there you go. There's your week uh, three draft. Step took. I have this somewhere. Where did my notes go? There they are. Step took Rockwell, Lake Travis, Waco, La Vega, Austin, LBJ, Cuero, Yoakum, Round Rock, Cedar Park, and uh, Edna Refurio. I took Alina Park, North Shore, Spring, Westfield, C- uh, Salina, rather, Argyle, Arlington, Martin, Midland Legacy, College Station, Magnolia, and El Paso, Eastwood, Smithson Valley. Right. Matthew, it's time for your hipster game of the week. And I'm going to go to El Paso for my hipster mm. game, and it's a game I'm going to be at Friday night. What a rarity. The hipster game is a game I will be at in person as it's the battle of the lower Valley as the two and O El Paso Riverside Rangers take on the two and O El Paso Isleta Indians at historic Hutchins stadium. I'm excited about this one. Not only is it a big rivalry game, but it's two pretty good teams that are playing Riverside has really been impressive early in the year. Coach Gary Recoder's squad has been lights out on offense. They put up a great two and O start. They're putting up a lot of points. Um, this is a team that I think is the favorite in District 1, 4A, Division 1. And they've they've really gotten it done, like I said, with the offense. And you look at Isleta and say what you want about Coach Martinez's squad, but they're 2-0. They've yep. got back-to-back <laughs> one-point wins. They beat Clovis, New Mexico, 34-33. And uh, all due respect to Clovis, New Mexico, I have no idea how good you are. Um, and then they beat Class 6A Socorro, 35-34. 
And Socorro is much improved. This is a team that, that has gotten a lot better uh, under coach Anthony Hensley and, and is much improved. So it's a good win for Isleta. They're at home. It's a rivalry game. Uh, there'll be a big crowd. These are old school rivals. They've been playing for a long time. And it's going to be a fun atmosphere, I think, at Hutchins Stadium Friday night, as I believe me and Will Wilker- me and Will Wilkerson will be in the house for that one. Wow. So, uh, super fired up. And he's has got a cool old stadium. Hutchins Stadium has been around since the 40s, I believe. It's a really cool old stadium. Isleta is the second oldest high school in the city of El Paso. So it'll be a historic stadium, a fun atmosphere. So really fired up for this one. It's good. It's very, very good. Um, I don't even know if I can classify mine as a hipster game. It is a matchup of unbeatens. It is uh, a, a rivalry game. It is a unique stylistic clash. And Matt Step, it is the gosh dang 100th Battle of 287. As I love it. The Waxahachie Indians take on the Ennis Lions in a matchup of 2 and 0 teams. Now, I think these are probably like different kinds of 2 and 0 teams. Um Waxahachie yeah. Yeah. has has done it low scoring. Uh, they've done it a little bit by the hair on their chinny chin chin at times. Uh, they beat Rowlett twenty eight twenty two. They last week they beat Arlington Lamar fourteen to three. So the offense has not quite gotten going for them, but the defense has held up its part. They're oh, yeah. they're they're running the ball relatively effectively with Iverson Young uh, and Jaden Bax. Uh, going up against Ennis, uh, their 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 longtime rival, hundredth meeting. If you didn't hear, Jackson Gilkey is the new quarterback there. But they've actually been running the ball very effectively. Yes, um, D Johnson, their running back, has been a star uh, for them so far. And uh, and yeah, look, I don't need to tell you about this. It's the Battle of Two Eighty Seven. They're playing for the hundredth year. They the, the first time they met, according to my records, was in nineteen oh eight. This is great. About- so when I talked about Cuero and Yoakum <clears throat> kind of being a, a neighborhood rivalry, but a friendly rivalry, mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is not a friendly rivalry. No, this is not. I was, are... at a pl- I was at a playoff game between these two at the Gopher Bowl, mm-hmm. and a brawl broke out <laughs> on the field in a playoff game. Like, this is that kind of rivalry. They yeah. do not like each other. They talk a lot of trash to each other. I mean, this, mm-hmm. the, the two communities – they're different kinds of communities. They're, you know, yes. Wasatch is kind of fast growing. Ennis is kind of a little further out, but very prideful communities, a lot of tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, it's going to be fun. It, it is always an intense atmosphere when these two teams play. And, it, and I can guarantee, I, is it in Waxahachie or Ennis? It is in uh, Waxahachie. Basically, the entire town of Ennis will be heading north on 287, 15 miles. It will, Lumpkin Stadium will be a packed house. It is going to be, that's a fun game, and like I said, if you like uh, rivalries that that are chippy and yep. get a little nasty, this is the game for you. This this is one of those kind of rivalries. They're going to chirp, and it's going to be great. The one hundredth battle of two eighty seven coming up here on Friday, uh, and now uh, so that's well. Let's do a hard uh, a hard divider here, and now we can begin our one hour pregame show for the game we're going to be at on on Thursday night. That's yes. right. Um, I guess we uh, maybe we haven't told we've told the story, haven't we? Have we? You should, we've, I think we've mentioned it on Twitter. But I'll mention the story. You, you, need to, you need to tell it on the sh- on, on TF today. also for our I do. I'll, I'll tell it here it. first. Yeah. So so Wednesday we're getting on a plane and we're flying to El Paso because on Friday on Thursday evening we will be uh, taking in 
uh, El Paso High versus El Paso Socorro. And you're probably thinking, well, Tepper, why didn't you take that game in your draft? Um, it, both this teams is, are 0 and 2. <laughs> both teams are 0 and 2. Both teams are struggling a, a touch. Um, but uh the, but we're very excited to watch this this game because uh we like both programs we're excited to get some El Paso uh, football in our lives and also it just so happens to be taking place at RR Jones Stadium uh which is uh the number one, one uh, number one stadium on my bucket list it's the best uh, stadium in the country i, I think hard stop i have i have not seen a game there i am excited to to go there and to compare it to the Puncher Dome, which was presently my my favorite stadium to watch a game at. Uh, I think I know which way the wind's blowing, but we'll see. I don't want to. I don't want to make any bold declarations quite yet. Um, so the way be this, you want to be open minded. So El Paso, uh, the, the, the game is at uh, Jones, which is at El Paso High School. And when you have your own stadium, um, like El Paso High School does, there is no reason not to play on Friday night. Like none. Yeah, you play on Friday night. Yeah. Like all you're doing is just like, why? Like, why would you ever move it to, to, to play on Thursday or Saturday? You can just play on Friday night. You ding dong. Well, that's until, um, let's, I don't want to name names, but let's just say that somebody on this podcast, um, who also has a contract with Bally sports Southwest, uh, said that, Hey, uh, I, I do a television show on Friday nights, uh, and, uh, and, and so I can't come to a Friday night game. Would you move a game to Thursday? Uh, he said, this person said to Ray Aguilar jr, the coach at El Paso high school. And I don't want to toss around the word bullied. Um, <laughs> but that person's name is, is G G, G- V that Tep- person, this person, no, 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 no. Let's, let's keep it anonymous. could be anybody. Um, (laughs) that person more or less like, um, continued to bother and annoy Ray Aguilar jr. And until he succumbed and said, fine, I'll move the week three game against Socorro to Thursday so that you idiots can come and watch. And so that's we're going. (laughs) Yeah, because Coach Aguilar <laughs> called your bluff. And he did. Said, okay, he 100% called my bluff. Okay, you're going to call me out on Twitter? Here you go, big boy. Book your plane ticket. And uh, I'm a, I'm, and I'm a really, man of my word. You're the winner here because you get to see a game. Oh. I, I've been to Jones Stadium. I, I have seen a game at Jones Stadium. It, it is awesome. Uh, it's, it's awesome. They You're going to enjoy it. They're, they, the announcer does a lot of fun facts during during timeouts and things like that it's just a cool vibe and it, it, I, like this year i'm just going to kind of i'm, I'm going to kind of be a little bit like you and just kind of take the game in from different spots in the stadium mm-hmm. and just kind of just kind of soak it all in um <sighs> it's it's just a beautiful facility it's it's gonna I'm, be a lot of i'm fun. so excited so that's our that's i'm so our excited thursday game so me and you <laughs> Uh, we'll be if, out there if you're interested, tonight. here here I will say this: the computer has Socorro as a six point favorite, and it would be uh, if Socorro wins this game, it'd be their first on the field win in quite in, some time. I need I need to go back and look, but it'd be a long time. Long time, yes. Yeah. Um, and so a couple of forfeit wins last year. Yeah, so it, it should be a close game. Um, and pickle, and pickles coming too. Pickles coming. Will Wilkerson is coming. Um, it's going to be a great time. We're I'm so excited to go out there, and yes. we're gonna we're gonna eat some good food. We're gonna like take in football. I just I don't know. Like I haven't. This is my first high school football game of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you get to go to Jones Stadium. And I get to go to Jones Stadium. Like I'm just so I'm so excited. So um, that's what we're doing. And 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 you're gonna spend the whole week uh, the whole weekend in El Paso. Yes. So I've got double header Friday. I'll be at the sack at four o'clock El Paso time for El Paso Parkland and El Paso Eastlake. And then Will and I will head down the road from the sack over to Hutchins Stadium for Riverside and Isleta. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we, we will, myself, Pickle, and Will will get on a early morning flight Saturday morning because I think Pickle has a UNT game to go to. And I will be in Kincaid Stadium Saturday night for the South Dallas Super Bowl as the Let's Lincoln go. Tigers take on the Madison Trojans Saturday night. So that'll be my Saturday game. And then Sunday, I'm getting back on a plane Sunday and flying to Canada to see my wife for a few days. Uh, that is, uh, that's quite a travel. Um, yes, that, that is an itinerary there. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's how we roll. So next week's Tep and Step, uh, will be inter- an international version as I'll be in Canada next week. All right. I'll be back on well, Thursday though. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, we've got a big, we've got a big week ahead. Uh, and, and, and I don't know where it's going to be. It's going to be fun. Uh, where, where are we, I guess, can we tell people where we're eating? Uh, so Wednesday night, we're having dinner with coach Melton, uh, from America's he's taking us out to dinner Wednesday night. Uh, he says he's paying. So coach Melton, what's up? Uh, I think, I think we're going to Carlos and Mickey's tentatively right now. Okay. Uh, it's his choice. Third, yeah. yeah. It's his yeah, choice. Yeah, we, we, left, we gave him the choice. He picked Carlos. He, well, I said every, anything but L and J cafe is on the table because Thursday for lunch, we're going to L and J cafe. You are um, damn right. Then, we are. Thursday night, uh, there's no telling what we'll do Thursday night after the game. It may just be a Whataburger run. Who knows? Uh, and then Friday, you'll be leaving. But Friday at lunch, myself, Pickle, and Will are going to have lunch with Coach Martinez from Jefferson, uh, who is taking us to the original Chico's Tacos on Alameda. And so Will and Ashley will get to experience Chico's Tacos. So, And then who knows where we eat Friday after the game. Uh, I am... I I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I can't wait. Um, and so the, your, your, your fearless leaders will be heading to the nine one five. Uh, I'll be adjusting my clock. It's the only time that I'm willing to leave God's time zone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Other than um, going to Vegas, other than going to Vegas, but that's a separate matter. Anyway, that's going to yeah. do it for and us. The video blog will be epic this week too. Oh Go my gosh. I'm so yeah. excited. It's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider and step. Thanks for your courage. Thank you. Talk to you next week on Tap and Step.